everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Andrew. And you're listening to the Old Masters Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking with Emily Liggett. Emily graduated from Purdue with a chemical engineering degree in 1977. Emily has made a name for herself as a trailblazer for women in Silicon Valley as a serial entrepreneur. More than her entrepreneurship, Emily has paid her experiences forward through her leadership, philanthropy, and organizational board service. She has offered her time and talents in a myriad of ways, including serving as a Stanford University business coach for emerging businesses in West Africa. She excels at bringing together people and a wealth of perspectives to help teams and businesses achieve meaningful goals. Let's welcome Emily Liggett. Today we have Emily Liggett with us on the podcast. Emily, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We're so happy to have you come, coming to campus soon. And again, just a little chance to visit this morning. Emily, to start us off, what is your story? Tell us who is Emily Liggett? Oh gosh, well, I guess the simplest thing is I'm an Indiana farm girl and I was good at math and science. And so that, and my parents are Purdue alums. Actually, my grandparents are Purdue alums also. So it was sort of a natural next step to go to Purdue and study engineering. So I've always loved solving problems. I've always liked working with other people. And so engineering was a great fit for me. And it was at a time when technology was taking off. So I've spent, you know, all my career in technology-based businesses. So it's been really fun to combine the science and technology with people because it's people that get things done. So that's the short answer. I married my Purdue sweetheart and we have four amazing adult children. Adult children seems like a funny term, but you know what I mean? Adults, adult humans. As a quick follow-up to that, can you tell us more about what it was like to be a woman leading in the space that you've been leading in early on in, in Silicon Valley and just in different entrepreneur in the entrepreneurial world in that space? So I think I was sort of used to, you know, being different in that way. And I think that is a positive and a negative at the same time. So I think on the one hand, back then, I really felt like people were judging all of women based on me, right? So if I was good or bad, whatever it was. So I felt sort of an undue pressure to perform well, because I didn't want people to not give another woman a chance because I had blown it. And I think that that started Purdue. Purdue was very supportive. They were one of the first that had a women in engineering program. And so I think Purdue was always great about the woman thing. And then my internships, I did one internship in Switzerland. I was interested, I studied French. So I guess it would be called a minor. <laughs> and so I wanted to use my French. I'd studied in Switzerland, worked in Switzerland. And then I had a summer internship in New Jersey. And so all of those were sort of, you know, different cultures and different places. And they had, they were getting used to women in those places. And then I remember when I started work, I was a process engineer for DuPont out in Delaware, New Jersey. And I remember the first time I got on the PA system in the factory to page someone, which was pretty normal. People paged all the time, but I didn't realize a woman, a female voice had not paged. And they, at one point when I just said like, you know, someone, someone has a phone call or something. Then I heard this voice saying, mother, you know, and all the people, like the equipment stopped, like people, it was crazy. I had no idea. So I can remember a few moments, you know, like that. And that changed over time. So people were more used to women being in different in, in non-traditional roles. I think, you know, and then you specifically ask about Silicon Valley and technology and that had its own 
challenges because as you go up, get higher in the organization, when you think of a pyramid, there were you know entry level women doing all kinds of things, and then just fewer and fewer as you got to the top. And then those challenges were less seen; they were less obvious. And so I had to get, I think, a little more clever, a little more emotionally intelligent and self-aware to figure out what some of those challenges were. But I think in general, growing up on a farm, you really understand the value of hard work and that you sort of start when the sun comes up and you don't end until it gets dark. So it's not related to hours on a clock. And so I think it always helped that I was a very hard worker and didn't stop until the job was done. So I think that was helpful for anyone, but I think particularly for a, a woman. That's awesome. And, you know, you talked about hard work and, and the, the, the pressure of, of the women behind you um, in, your, in your work. How have you um, been able to lift up um, women that come after you uh, in your spaces? Well, I've really tried to do that and pay it forward. And I had some great mentors. Actually, most of them were men, as it turned out at that time. But I've had some fabulous folks help me and give me feedback and tell me things that I needed to hear versus things that I wanted to hear. And so I have tried very hard to pay that forward and to, to do what others have done for me, you know, more broadly. And I think that looks everything from you know, coming back to campus to talk. And certainly as a, you know, back in the early days, I often came back to Purdue to recruit, but also to talk to women students because it's easy to get discouraged. I mean, it's easy for anyone to get discouraged in an engineering program. And so to sort of paint the picture of what's beyond that. And I think that is, you know, another thing that's helpful about growing up on a farm is you really have to think about the long-term. You can't get too caught up in today's weather because it, it is going to change and you can't do anything about it, right? You, you can't change those circumstances, but you can change your response to them. And I think that was sort of very, a very helpful life lesson that it took me some time to realize that, that that was important, right? The main thing is to keep the main thing as the main thing, right? And you have to think about the long-term I was also raised and continued to have a strong faith. And I think that has been very helpful to me over time as well. And to understand the importance of relationships and particularly family, because family's for the long-term, right? And you can get discouraged or frustrated in the short-term, but to remember what it's all about over time. Yeah, that's, that's great perspective. And you've alluded to you know, those lessons of hard work, you know, the current weather is going to change from, from your roots, but you know, how, and you've, you've talked a little bit about this, but how have your roots in small town, Indiana and the college years at Purdue shaped your perspective on the world and, and your, really your work um, in the technology sector? What, what do you carry with you from that upbringing? No, I think I carry more than I realized, you know, in the beginning, you know, as a young adult, I was really, I was ready to see that farm in the rear view mirror and was sort of ready to get on to other things. And I think over time and probably having my own children, right, adds a different perspective. And I realized there's a lot to be said for the values that you get in a, I can't, I guess it's a small town. I think of it more as a farm, but it also, of course, farms are outside of small towns where relationships are important and it matters who you are and integrity. You, you know, you can't get lost in a small town. And on the one hand, 
I can remember because I had siblings. I can remember if I got trouble in school thinking I might as well go home and come clean with my mom and dad because if my siblings don't tell on me, somebody in the town is, right? They're going to be at the local store and someone's going to let them know. So I kind of need to own that and just be pre have a preemptive strategy rather than wait and hope that they don't hear about it because they will. It's just a question of time. And so I think that knowledge of you need to be a stand-up person and you need to take ownership of those mistakes you make of the things you wish you hadn't said and try to make it right as soon as you can and not wait and hope that it goes away by itself because it won't. And, I, and some of that might be a, a small town mentality. So now that I've lived in a lot of cities, you know, it's, it's easy to think you're anonymous and nobody notices. And that's usually not the case. It's definitely not the case in a small town. I think that's a really great piece of wisdom, just thinking about the, the value of just owning it. And I think that that's just an important lesson for students as we think about leadership and all that kind of stuff moving forward into a career. And with that, Emily, I'm curious, what to you has been the most rewarding part of your career and post-Purdue life? Oh, gosh, I would say that's probably in two big categories. One is I've had the chance to live all over the U.S. and all over the world. And there's such a value in understanding other cultures. And, you know, when you're here in the U.S., you think the world revolves around the U.S. and it doesn't. And so I think and part of that was enabled just by because I, I happened to be in technology. And so I got to do some some awesome things. So I think from a technology point of view. I've worked with some fantastic emerging technologies, which can change the world. And it's, it's pretty exciting to work on something that's bigger than you are. And, and none of this could have been accomplished without a very diverse team. You know, I just brought a small piece of what was needed. And then everyone else had to bring a piece too. And so, you know, learning to listen and value others, particularly, especially when their ideas are not like your own, because I think it could be tempting to want to be around people that look and sound and think the way you do, because it's very comfortable. And I think at Purdue, certainly, I was around a lot of people that looked and felt and thought the way I did. And that was fun. But on the other hand, I think to get really great solutions and to really make big changes in the world, you need to have people that think and look differently than you do. And so those were two big parts of, you know, after leaving Purdue, I think Purdue enabled a lot of that through the degree and just the kind of education that we get at Purdue. But I think those, those, those were my favorites was to be able to live, you know, all around the world and work with pretty amazing people. Wow, that is awesome. And thank you so much for, for joining us today and, and for sharing your time. And we are ecstatic to have you back this fall to, to share I mean, really this great wisdom with the rest of the Purdue student body. So, so thank you. Well, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. You've been listening to the Old Masters podcast, where we hear the real stories of past Boilermakers to enrich our student experience. Connect with the 2021 Old Masters by attending this year's Late Night with the Old Masters on Monday, November 8th at 5.30 p.m. Special thanks to our Old Masters podcast guests, Old Masters advisors, Margie Jones and Zoe Stoudy, Old Masters promotional officers and podcast producers, Sarah Pencil and Caitlin Carlson, and the 2021 Old Masters Central Committee, especially Savannah Bordner, Elliot Schmittenberg, 
Amanda Schaefer, and Andy He.